You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace be on you all. Um, welcome back to our program, uh, which is a uh, live program, drive time show. Um, today uh, we will be um, speaking on two topics as usual. In the first hour, we'll be speaking on the tolerance, and in the second hour, we'll be speaking about the Ladies uh, Association of in the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, which is called Lajna Emaila. As you are aware, that this program is, is live and it is an interactive program. We do have guests in this program, uh, the experts who speak on the topic. But you are most welcome to join us uh, in our discussions. If you have, uh, if you want to air your opinion, you can talk to us. Um, on the, the telephone number is 0208-687-7878. And you can also tweet at, at Voice of Islam UK. <clears throat> so today um, is being celebrated as an International Day of Tolerance. And accordingly, we have um, to air the opinions of the people regarding the tolerance. And today's world, we are more connected and diverse than ever before. Yet, this hasn't automatically translated into more tolerance and understanding. Whether it's a lack of tolerance in society all the way down to a lack of tolerance at home, more effort certainly is needed to be made <coughs> to create peace at all levels. So. <coughs> Uh, we'll also be speaking about the um, Islamic uh, perspective regarding tolerance. According to Islam, tolerance is a very important characteristic to have. This can be shown by Holy Prophet saying where he was once asked, O Messenger of Allah, which deed is best? The Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said, patience and tolerance. So this just goes to show how important tolerance and patience in as it was seen as one of the best qualities. Um, you're listening to Dr. Tariq Bajwa. I'm your host today. And uh, very soon I'll be joined by uh, our uh, Imam Sharjil Ahmed as well. So um, as you are aware that the, the world is celebrating the International Day of Tolerance, uh, and it is celebrated every 16th of November on an annual basis. Why is such a day even important? Well, if we look at the statistics released by the Home Office, it shows that in the year ending March 2022, the police recorded 155,841 hate crimes in England and Wales. This is a 26% increase compared to last year. This has been biggest percentage increase in hate crime since March 2017, when it was a 29% increase. These figures make us reflect that we are uh, in urgent need of fostering unity and tolerance within society. In today's world, 
where communities are so diverse and multicultural, we need to increase our tolerance and, and patience levels more than ever in order to create a peaceful and harmonious world. So celebrating this day of tolerance today, uh, today will not only encourage respect, tolerance, understanding, and acceptance of the diversity of the world's cultures, religions, and faith, but will also help to build bridges of dialogue to create a peaceful world and society. And I, uh, you know, I think I think this is a uh, you know very very um, very important uh, result that uh, we have this. Um, you know this tolerance it's not just it's not just about having or establishing peace i mean of course that is the ultimate goal that is the ultimate um you know that, that is something which we we all want to achieve on not just a not just a personal level but on obviously a national and an international level as well but then one of the ways in which we can actually do that is by is with tolerance as well and it's not something that should be that should be taken lightly um Islam has given detailed sort of uh, you know analysis or, or uh, de details on how we can ways of uh, you know uh, you know different commandments different injunctions which are mentioned in the holy quran in which we can actually you know live by uh, and follow those you know those great um commandments as well and then practically shown to us or given to us described to us and uh, as i mentioned as islam is a is a, is a religion of uh, of you know something which promotes peace as it you know literally means peace as well the holy founder of islam the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him through his example through his conduct through his morality through uh, i mean the ways in which he conducted his lifestyle the way that he instructed all the muslims to actually be as well his example, the way that he he emulated the he was a personification. Uh, he, he was an embodiment of the Holy Quran as well, and how he displayed the teachings of the Holy Quran in a very articulate, very beautiful and noble way as well. And we wish in which, if not just the Muslims, but people of all religions, religion or no religion, actually, atheists and also believers in God Almighty as well. They can, if they follow these examples, if they follow these instructions, if they follow these commandments, we can definitely establish a very, very peaceful society in which everyone actually wants to achieve and strive towards uh, as well. And in today's, in today's world, the world, the word Islam, unfortunately, unfortunately, is attached to intolerance and violence. However, this could not be further from, uh, from the truth. The Holy Quran and uh, you know tells us about the philosophy of tolerance, with the with the words for you your religion, and for me my religion. Chapter one hundred and nine, verse seven. And this is the true spirit of Islam. Islam wants there to be tolerance. Islam wants there to be if there is diversity. Of course, there will be diversity. There won't be people who are you know the same, or even people who are believing in one or there's one in the same religion, they can have differences in opinions as well. So differences will be there, but to tolerate those differences, to respect those differences, to actually uphold our differences in a best manner, not saying that me being different is better than you being different, or you being different is inferior than me being different. You know, the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, very beautifully in his last Friday sermon, 
Hijatul Bida, he, he mentioned that no Arab is superior to a non-Arab, nor an Arab to a uh, to a non-Arab or a non-Arab to an Arab. And a white person is not superior to a black person, and a black person is not superior to a white person as well. The thing which differentiates us, or the thing which elevates us, the thing which actually Allah the Almighty actually looks upon us and says that this is a good thing, this is a, this is a very noble thing, and that is our taqwa, that is our righteousness, and that is something that we want to strive towards as well. Continuing on in chapter 3, and as I mentioned before, that the Holy Quran is full of different verses, full of different commandments which mention and talk about talk about peace, how to establish peace, and tolerance being one of those um, sort of uh, subtopics uh, as well. In chapter 3, verse 65 of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty encourages, to, to, uh, encourages all of us to focus uh, on those beliefs which unite us. And he says that, come to a word equal between us and you. So the Holy Quran has taught us how to build a peaceful, multicultural society where people of all faiths and beliefs and differences and races are able to live side by side. And the key ingredients are mutual respect and tolerance. And this is something which is very, very much important. Of course, some people, of course, in this society, they they believe that Islam limits freedom of expression or perhaps attempts to control people's thoughts by force. This is completely contrary to the true, true teachings of Islam, as Islam wholeheartedly strives to build bridges of friendship and interfaith dialogue between different communities and religions. It champions the rights of vulnerable people in the society, and in fact, service to the community and being loyal citizens is part of Islam. Mm. And experiences further worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, uh, may Allah strengthen his hand, who is the fifth caliph and <coughs> head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community at the moment. Um, he said that Islam condemns in the strongest possible terms any attempts to violate freedom of belief and freedom of conscience. Under no circumstances does Islam permit caution hmm. or force in the matter of religion. Rather, Islam teaches that religion is a matter of heart. Thus, if thus I can, I firmly believe that the widespread and common perceptions of Islam amongst non-Muslims are actually misconceptions. Hmm. Moreover, uh, it is stated in the Holy Quran that it is the truth from your Lord. Wherefore, let him who will believe and let him who will disbelieve. That's taken from chapter 18, verse 30. And it clearly indicates that there is <clears throat> total freedom in Islam of what to believe and what not, to, or, and whether to believe or not. Hmm. Nothing is forced in religion. And that is, uh, that is uh, very clearly mentioned by the Holy Quran that um, nobody forces you upon uh, you know, any any belief, hmm. you are free, and that is the freedom which has been given by God Almighty to the to the human beings, and that is that is what a difference between the angels and the the human beings, exactly. because uh, the angels exactly. um, and angels uh, do as they are said, they do as, as they are told, told. Yeah. and uh, but the human beings have been given the option. Uh, they have been given the choice whether they want to believe or they do not want to believe, although they have been told that they will be accounted for whatever they believe and whatever they do and whatever their practice is. But the freedom is there. There is no doubt about that. Absolutely.
Absolutely. <coughs> Let's speak to our guest who is on the line with us, Mike uh, Haynes, who is a founder of Global Acts of Unity. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon. Welcome to the show, Mike. Peace be upon you as well. Thank you so much for, for joining us and accepting our invitation as well. Um, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, to begin with, can you can you tell our listeners about Global Acts of Unity? Yeah, sure. Uh, Global Acts of Unity is an anti-extremism charity founded to honour my late brother David. Hmm. David was murdered by a terrorist group, ISIS, in 2014, having been kidnapped from his work as a humanitarian aid worker, hmm. and he was held captive for 18 months. David's death was broadcast for the world to see. It was an act of hatred aimed to sow division and fear. Mm -hmm. I chose not to hate and not to let the terrorists that murdered my brother win. Instead, I channeled my pain into a force for good. I toured the UK speaking to tens of thousands of students in places of education, places of worship and world leaders about my story and show them why we must all be more tolerant, more understanding and accepting of one another. Now, we all have a choice to be kind rather than hate. <clears throat> I hope that my story inspires people because if I didn't hate those that murdered my brother, there's no need for any of us to speak or act in hate. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's very, it's very sad, uh, saddening to actually hear about that, uh, about your story and that incident, um, uh, as well. But uh, you know, very commendable response uh, by yourself as well to not to, to not to hate as well. Um, what, Mike? What would your, what would your message be to anyone who's listening to this show today on the um, International Day of Tolerance? And w w what can people do on this day to actually make a, make a difference, a positive difference? Yeah, yeah. I urge, sorry, I urge all our, your listeners uh, to get to know someone who may have a different faith, a different culture than your own, um, because regardless of colour, creed, religion, we're all humans and deserve to be treated with respect. Hate crimes records have showed this year an increase in religious hate crime. Deceitful narratives unfortunately infiltrate our society and they make us believe in the concept of the other. But we are all more similar than we think and, and, and our differences, if any, are to be celebrated. An act of kindness goes a long way and the, and the more we can to reject hatred, the happier our society will be. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, talking about uh, how to sort of better the standard of uh, the standard of living, how important is tolerance in creating social but also economic advancements for for people? Tolerance is so important. Tolerance breeds unity, and only if we are united can we confront some of life's biggest challenges. There have been numerous studies that show how tolerance allows social and economic advancement for people because of learning about each other and working together is enriching and it improves our own understanding of the world around us. And most importantly, it helps us learn about ourselves. Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, also talking about talking about celebrating such days, can they really make or can can it really mean that we are becoming more aware about this uh, as a you know as a, as a society generally? Or do you think that there needs to be there's something else that needs to be done? There's more that needs to be done to becoming more tolerant towards others. I think highlighting awareness days I believe is invaluable because it helps us during our busy lives reflect reflect and gain some perspective. The more we talk about tolerance, the mm. more normalized it will become and the more positive impact it will have. Mm. The conversation is never over and we can always keep improving as a society to be more open understanding of one another. I believe that we are lucky to live in the UK a brilliantly diverse place to have this chance. Mm. Yeah, definitely. With so much diversity as well. But what are some of the most effective ways, though, of uh, preventing intolerance or, or even facing it or confronting it when uh, you know when we see it or, hap- or when you see it happening in front of us? Speaking up against hate, challenging mm. it, but yeah, it has to be done safely. You know, calling it out, reporting in it. You know, there's so many different ways we can uh, challenge and report hate crime these days. We need to ask questions and to be open. You know, really in the UK, it doesn't matter what culture, what faith you are, we're all really bad at asking questions. Mm. Um, except we're all not the same, but we're all humans living on the same planet, facing the same problems. And please, you know, get in touch with us via social media or website. We'd love to hear from you. And we would love to visit your place of worship or school. Hmm. That's uh, very, very promising and very, very nice uh, to hear. Mike, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon and speaking to us. It's very important that, you know, we, we get the message out there as well and raise as much as uh, you know awareness as much as we can thank you so much for joining us on our show this afternoon mike have a good day thank you very much assalamu alaikum peace be upon you too that was mike uh, who was he is the founder of global acts of unity uh, and you know some commendable work that he is doing as well and it's very important as well that that you know we get out there to get the message out there as well and make sure that we talk about these things on our busy day-to-day schedules as well sometimes we so <laughs> sometimes we're so engrossed in our you know in our jobs in our lives in our work and whatever and we forget about you know the things which are actually important to us we forget about those things which are you know which we actually build us as a character as a society you know tolerance and all these things you see, in, uh, if you look at uh, our society where we live in and practically we see that, uh, you know, what is the root cause? Why are people intolerant to each other? And most of the time you see it is because of the misunderstandings mm. people have about each other. Mm. Uh, mm. If, if this misunderstanding can be about uh, what they believe. It can be about what they do. It can be about what they think about yourself. It can be about... Uh, uh, you know, you just a mis misconception they have, and it has been, uh, and that is usually exploited by a certain group of people mm-hmm. who have their own vested interests, and they are not interested in in peace because they don't see any advantage they can get out of you mm-hmm. 
if you don't create misunderstandings among you and a break and a, a, a sort of a, um, hated for each other because mm. they don't want you to live in peace. Uh, out of that, what they want is that they take their own advantage. How if you are at peace, you can sort out your problems mm. yourselves. Mm. So they don't let you um, settle down and they exploit the differences which you have. Yeah, and most true. of them, it is, it is created by people and they create the misunderstandings because they want to take advantage out of that. Yeah. Now, the Holy Quran That's has true. given very a, a very beautiful um, uh, sort of uh, solution to that. And the Holy Quran says that, okay, uh, you know, one, that you have a total freedom of what you believe or you don't believe. It is your choice. And then again, and the Holy Quran says that uh, um, you, you, you will be accountable by God Almighty himself on the basis of religion. Nobody hmm. is given a different treatment in this world by God Almighty himself hmm. uh, when he's providing you, uh, like, you know, when he, he provides you with a son, it is universal. It is for, everyone. for everyone. It is not yeah. that, 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 that the believers won't get the sunlight and the, the believers will get and the non-believers won't get it. Hmm. Because yeah. this is his, by action, he is saying that he has the, uh, you know, equal um, uh, sort of uh, kindness to his everybody. Favors, equal. His, yeah. so, 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 so he's in a way practically telling us that you should be, you know, they are like you. And the other uh, commandment which God Almighty has given is that, okay, those who believe in one God, you know, why don't you unite together on this one platform hmm. that you believe in one that God? We believe in one God, yeah, exactly. You believe in one God. Why do you go to the differences hmm. and start exploiting the differences? Why, why don't you come together and say, we okay, we are all believe in one God, hmm. and let's let's get together and let's sort out the problems. Let's do something beneficial exactly. for the mankind as a whole, and 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 that is that is what is uh, you know is going to benefit you the most and the best example we have you know when we talk about islam of, of course we have to look at the at the at the example the noble example of the the holy prophet of islam mm. prophet muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him and uh, you know his life is a witness to the fact that he championed peace uh, he championed free expression mm. and religious tolerance and despite all odds and challenges he proved that peace can only be established in the world by following the Quranic teachings. Uh, and we see that when he lived in Medina, hmm. uh, and in Medina he was unanimously elected as a political leader as well, because there were three different groups living there. There were Jews, there were Muslims, and of course there were pagans. And they were, they were all living in harmony in that society. They accepted him as a leader. And he would always ask whether the disputant parties would like to be judged according to the law of Islam, according to the law of Torah, yeah. or merely by arbitration or whatever they liked. So, so he was uh, he was actually people had such a trust in him hmm. that whosoever they they would not go to their any of their own leaders, he would come to to him, to him. and they trusted him that you know whatever decision he would take would be the the best uh, decision and they they would all agree to that one <laughs> you know he was you know given this title as well that Sadiq and Amin that the Sadiq being the most truthful person the one who tells the truth and no sort of even a little dot of a lie 
in that one or fabrication in that one and Amin being you know the the most trustworthy as well people used to trust him just like you mentioned the, it's a very very beautiful example that you imagine your you have a society you have a whole religion you have your own priests you have your own leaders your religious leaders but still when there's when there's a dispute when there's a matter when there's an issue that needs to be resolved they don't go to their own leaders they don't go to their own chieftains or you know their own sort of uh, um, priests or whoever what what have you they go to him the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him and that's that's a very very be- beautiful example and this shows us how 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 tolerant he was and how truthful he was how also trustworthy he was as well see the tolerance is, is not only you know you see, you can see you can take it from the um, from the uh, you know from the individual to the society level and hmm. from the society level to the your individual lives because you know if you want to create a tolerant society you need to, to create tolerant individuals exactly and exactly. Those, those tolerant individuals you can only create when they have the basic understanding of uh, uh, the uh, the emotions involved and that uh, i think it, it comes with the knowledge as well that the more knowledge you have about others the more tolerant you will be hmm. because uh, you 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 i think the basic principle is that um one if you're not sure about somebody well, why do you create um uh, feelings about the other hmm. particularly you know we see all around us that we have we, we see diversity hmm. now diversity means that you know there can be a different color their creed their thinking their knowledge their religion their beliefs whatever, whatever, whatever there will yeah. be difference okay and uh, in fact that should create more tolerance because you you have a variety of people and every everyone is individual hmm. and this variety actually creates beauty in the society yeah particularly when they are all living in harmony with each other mm, mm. and uh, but obviously it it gives us a, an ugly picture if if it's the other way around if people are not tolerant to each other so that creates an effect on the society that's true it's true if we want to establish peace on a on a global scale or even a national scale then we must have you know peace and tolerance within ourselves as well to to actually begin with to actually initiate that peace and that tolerance as well um let's speak to let's speak to our next guest who's on the line with us uh, at the uh, Jensen's who is a freelance teacher peace be upon you good afternoon and welcome to the show assalamu alaikum thanks for having me thank you so much for joining us this afternoon well, well, to begin with why do you think it's so important that we have days like this um to you know such as you know international day of tolerance we have various other days as well Why do you think it's so important that we actually, you know, commemorate uh, these um, these events in these days? Yeah, I think uh, these sorts of days they are very important because they remind us of some something that's like essential to us but that we overlook because it's there, it's always there. Um and we just realize its importance once we miss it, so if we don't have it anymore. So, if you look at the day of tolerance, it should remind us about how lucky we are every day. and it should also challenge us to where can we be more tolerant towards someone else hmm. absolutely absolutely now as you know as society is progressing as well we see that there's a lot of diversity in uh, in you know especially the big big cities uh, as well and with that obviously 
when there is diversity, there will be young people uh, as well. And, you know, people in school, students which are coming into primary school, secondary school and everything. So do you think with this diversity and ever-increasing diversity as well, do you think that teachers especially need to be more tolerant to, towards their students? Yeah, absolutely. They they need to be, and I think they are also taught to be um, tolerant, very tolerant and supportive in their training. But uh, sadly, I think maybe not all of us really believe in it or they really embrace it, um, because it's really, really easy to be tolerant with someone that you agree with, right? Hmm. But once you disagree with someone, it becomes really difficult. Um, and I think those are the moments where we should grow and we should overcome our feelings and we should think, okay, um, through being tolerant, maybe I can learn something new and maybe even something about myself that I didn't know before. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. How can, talking about schools in particular, how can tolerance be taught in schools though? I think that it's, like many things, it's taught by example. So if as a, as a teacher, I'm tolerant um, and I'm accepting, no matter if I agree with someone or I don't agree with someone, and, mm. and then I can show my students that um, we need to treat each other with respect. It doesn't matter if we disagree on something. We need to be respectful of each other. And um, we live together in this society, and we need to make it work. So the only way to do that is through tolerance and being respectful and friendly. And I think for me, like when I was teaching at a school, for example, um, by being tolerant with my colleagues and other students, no matter what their background is, if they're rich or poor, they're immigrant or not, or whatever their opinion is, if they're Hindu or Sikh or Christian or atheist, it didn't matter. Mm. So that's how you can show that that's the most important thing and that's how we can make, uh, we can make it in the society. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you spoke, you've touched upon this uh, anyway, but can you just elaborate on what are the main benefits of, uh, of tolerance? So I think by tolerating different people, um, of course, we need to make society work. It, there's no other way than being tolerant. But one of the big benefits of it is that it brings ideas and perspectives into our life that otherwise we would never have. So because we are not in someone else's shoes, we cannot see the world that way. And if we invite other people into our lives, then we get that perspective. And maybe we can solve problems that we could have never solved on our own or just with people who are like-minded. Hmm. And you mentioned that, uh, you know, it's even especially in schools, when you, you know, when you agree with someone, when you're friends with someone, then it's easy to be tolerant towards that person. But when you have yeah. differences... And when you do, when you disagree with with someone, then it can be quite difficult. So, w what is the best time to to teach these values um, to the youngsters, to the kids, to the students as well? And what impact uh, will these skills have on their future, on a on a sort of personal level? But then when they grow and uh, have work relationships as well. Yes. Yeah, so I think you can start teaching children from a very young age. So already at home, it doesn't have to be in in school. So that they play with children from different backgrounds, that they have contact with them. And that's, that's only possible if we have these people in our lives. So just if I want to have my child to, that they have contact with other people, I have to be uh, friends with uh, their parents. So if I don't have these people in my life, I can't um, mm. expose my children to them, right? So um, that's how we 
get that contact. And the younger we start with that, the better that is. And when they go to school, um, that they join different clubs and sports and they um, meet different sorts of people and that they also do volunteering, that's a very great way of getting into contact with people that uh, you would otherwise maybe never meet. Um, and I think these skills, they are really essential in our global economy because we need to be able to trade and to communicate with people from different countries and very different backgrounds from ours. And if we have learned that from a very young age and we have practiced this through our life as young people, it wouldn't come as a shock once you meet someone who's different. So you will, it will be like a, like a first language to us, like we know exactly how to treat someone who's different. And other people might be struggling with this, but for us it will be, um, it will be easy. So this is a skill that is needed in leadership positions. So those are positions where you need to bring people together to work together on a project or whatever you're doing. Um, and they are usually people that come from very different backgrounds. And this is a skill that you need as a leader to bring them together and work on one goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, very well uh, put uh, there as well. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, have a lovely day. Thank you once again. Assalamu Thank you. That was uh, Atiya, who is a freelance teacher, and uh, uh, you know, very, very interesting uh, listening to listening to her as well. And it's important that youngsters, you know, youngsters, children um, who are you know going into school, primary school, secondary school, they are taught these you know basic basic skills as well. I mean, it's it's just it's just basic manners as well, isn't it? It's just uh, yes, yeah. you know, the first of all, the thing is that uh, you learn from. <laughs> from your uh, surroundings, yeah. your environment. Exactly. Um, yeah. The parents are the first example. If if in a um, in a home um, the parents are not showing tolerance or talking about um, ill about others, hmm. and they are talking about you know this uh, something which creates hatred, something which can creates misunderstandings. Um, the children are going to learn from there. And uh, and the second thing is that they learn from school, yeah. uh, where they go with the purpose of learning from there. And uh, if the atmosphere in the school is such that uh, there is uh, intolerance there, uh, <clears throat> and you see the, the crime rate increasing, and many of these people who are committing crimes are youngsters, and there is a knife crime, and, and there is the background is... Um, uh, intolerance basically because they differ with somebody mm. and if there is a difference of opinion um, uh, for example even even if you see you go and you you, uh, you are uh, watching a match um, in a football ground or a cricket mm. ground uh, mm. and obviously there are, there are two teams and there has to be opposition they have to be they have a different um, thinking because yeah. one uh, person wants to win one team, the other one wants to to win uh, the other team. Exactly. And there yeah. is going to be a difference. And if there is no tolerance there, you know, um, end of the day, if they think maturely and if they think that, well, this is a game, uh, one of them has to win. Mm. Okay, one might have a better skill than the other. They, they might have practiced better. They might have, you know, um, 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 they, they might have better skills. Mm. So all these things, uh, you have to think with maturity. And if you think with maturity and rather you appreciate 
and you say, uh, and, and that's the spirit. And, and that's, I'm just giving an example mm. of the sports. The, the, what is the sportsman's uh, spirit? Mm. The sportsman's spirit is that you appreciate the others, that yes, you exactly. you had a better skills, you had a better chance, you had a better, um, uh, of course, uh, and uh, and you appreciate and you, um, uh, you, you tell them that well done. Uh, so that is that is the thing that you can have a difference of, of opinion mm. uh, and that difference of opinion can only um, sort of gives you a better uh, perspective uh, and you can increase your knowledge if you you can talk to each other you try to understand what is your belief and what basis that is belief is and all the religions which have come to this world particularly you know people create a lot of um, um, sort of hassle or they talk about religion that religion are the culprit religion is the culprit because because of the religion people have a difference of opinion of course mm. uh, the, the different religions are because you are believing a different uh, faith you you, co you come from a different faith and you believe differently and that's why you are in a, divided into different uh, sort of uh, faiths but mm. even within within one religion you will find that there are so many different, so many uh, different sects <laughs> based on the difference of opinion yeah exactly okay exactly. so so even uh, you know somebody says oh you should uh, put your hands on the chest the other one says no you should put your hands on the um, uh, you know on the tummy on the on the, on the abdomen so um, uh, and on that basis they have they start differing so so many sects you see in in not only in islam but also in the in christianity hmm. we have uh, different sects because of the basis of uh, a certain difference of opinion on certain things. But the thing is that if you understand, and and here I would like to quote the holy founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Qadiyan, and, and he, he always said that many a times people would like to join um, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and they would say, oh, but, but I, uh, you know, I respect such and such person because of my previous beliefs and uh, and um, uh, you know, I, I I can't leave that because that is that is what I have been taught from the ch childhood. And I I give for example, he said that I I give a very high position to Hazrat Ali, or um, or mm. a, a particular companion. Yeah. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. You you carry on, you know, with your belief. But once you will understand, gradually you will understand and put put everybody on the, in the right position. Mm. But he did not stop them to to come into the community and join the community. Uh, and similarly, he, he said that you know, don't argue or don't start fighting on on the little things. Exactly. That you know, whether you you raise your finger uh, this way or that way mm. while you are saying your prayer. These are minor things, and um, so these things automatically come uh, to the extent that some somebody came to him and he said that you know uh, he is not keeping a beard. Hmm. He said, "Oh, Islam, it is it is a sunnah. It is a uh, you know ex example of the Holy Quran, of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him." Uh, and uh, you know he said that he has come into the community he has joined but he is not keeping a beard and he said don't worry you know as he will learn gradually he will grow beard it's mm. not something which is very basic which makes a difference you know let him as the maturity comes people understand and people develop themselves yeah. they progress yeah. so these are minor things you should not create a, a big fuss about these things you should uh, you should be uh, you know thinking about how we can progress how we can do something which is beneficial for the mankind, how we can get together and join our, uh, you know, minds, brains, thoughts, uh, and and uh, so that we think of something which is 
beneficial as a whole for the mankind. Mm. So this is what in this society we we get together and and all the di- uh, different minds they meet. It doesn't matter whether somebody is a Muslim or a Christian or a um, or a Hindu or a, but as long as you are doing jointly something which is beneficial for the mankind, that is what is required, and that is what and that can only come if you are tolerant of each other. And mm-hmm. once you know, if you are tolerant of each other, you you should also because if you expect that people should be tolerant of what you believe, then you should be tolerant of others as well. They believe as well. Okay, mm-hmm. and you should listen to if you want that people should listen to you, then you should be prepared to listen to the others, and and that's how the you you gain knowledge and you can actually review or revise what you believe, and you should have a basis of why I believe this. And uh, so, so if you are convinced yourself that um, you know whatever you are, you 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 are convinced that this is the correct path or belief, whatever you have, and that is why you are. Otherwise, you will change because you always uh, think that whatever is the best for you, you adopt that. That is your that is human nature, hmm. and that is how uh, you know the, all all the time when the when a new religion comes or when. Uh, when the prophet was appointed initially there was there was a strong opposition and people gradually who started to understand that they accepted it and that's how you uh, and uh, the the society if it becomes tolerant then uh, there are more chances that the society will develop and progress quickly because they will start they will become more tolerant and as a result they will benefit as a whole from everyone who is living in that uh, that particular society and if we take it from the individual basis that in in home when you are living there are two people you know, when you get married hmm. the two people they have come from you know they they have a different upbringing they come from a different families they have, and, uh, and it is not that they uh, you know they they will always agree to each other Hmm. They have to make compromises and they have to be tolerant to each other because there will be certain things which will be good and there will be certain things which will not be good, uh, you know, which at least you you might not think that it is it is good. The, for, for the other person, it might hmm. be just normal. So in order to uh, to make that marriage work, you have to compromise. You have to be, to be tolerant with each other. Uh, yeah, if you are not tolerant and, 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 and that is what is happening, that you know, the, the rate of... Um, divorce is is increased because you are not tolerant. You know, mm. you, the very first day, very you know, very first few days, very um, you know, people think, oh, I cannot tolerate this. You know, so, so. but you know, had they tolerated for a little while and uh, understood each other and what is the background and um, it 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 might have worked. Mm. It might have worked very well, and it has worked for for uh, you know many couples. They have lived. Uh, happily because they they were willing to compromise they were tolerant to each other and gradually they became used to each other and they realized that actually what they thought was not right it was uh, it is something different or the background is something different so tolerance is very very important in the success of individual uh, life you know one individual in a, in a home and that is what it actually spreads out to to make the society so in the society we have uh, we have uh, uh, you know uh, uh, problems at, at that level and uh, I w- I'd like to quote here the um, our current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has said about this Ma- yeah. Ahmad, he has spoken about it and he said that neither men have the tolerance he is talking about the current society, which mm. what, what is going on. That neither men have the tolerance anymore that a believer should have 
nor women exercise tolerance. If both sides control their emotions and have righteousness in their hearts, these problems would never arise. Hmm. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, advised such people that if they both see each other's flaws, there would also be many things they like in each other. Hmm. It cannot be that they both are full of flaws. If you keep such positive attitude and adopt a sense of sacrifice, mutual love and affection will grow. Wives of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gave testimonies that there could be none other like him as regards to courtesy and kindness to wives. Thus, when the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, advised something, it was not with mere words, he also proved it with his blessed model. Hmm. He himself was, you know, he, he, he acted upon the teachings of Islam first, and he was an example. And the Holy Quran has categorically mentioned that he is the best example for you. Hmm. So, because uh, he was not only saying things, he did what he, he said, and and uh, he uh, he acted upon those. Um, those commandments of uh, God Almighty in the Holy Quran. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, just also, of course, uh, as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he was the, you know, the, the embodiment of the Holy Quran. Everything which is mentioned in the Holy Quran, he he acted upon that his entire life. And this this incident which you have just, uh, just mentioned, or, this, you know, this uh, uh, extract which His Holiness actually said as well, May Allah be his helper, it highlights a very important teaching of Islam, which is to have righteousness and fear of God in our hearts. I mean, righteousness uh, is very, very much important. And if we if we actually live by that code, if we actually do that, then we will automatically be able to put aside our egos and such conflicts will never arise. Obviously, there will be differences, but then if you will be tolerant to those differences, then it wouldn't escalate to, to a bad thing, to, to an even worse thing as well. And His Holiness, may Allah be his helper, he further said that when a man or a woman pledges to the contract of marriage, then they must, and then they must make the utmost effort to tolerate each other. They should cover up the faults and shortcomings of each other and avoid bickering over petty little matters. Sometimes, as you, as you just mentioned as well, that sometimes it happens that you know, there are small things that you might not like about one another but then there will be so many things that you will like about one another as well and those things should cover up those flaws those things should cover up those weaknesses as well that may you know that may come as well and if we follow these teachings we will surely have a harmonious marriage as well and you know about talking about divorces and talaq and all of these things it wouldn't even reach up to that stage uh, as well it can get covered much before that. Yeah, if you increase the level of tolerance, of course, of course. Um, uh, it, it is, is going to help. And you earlier um, mentioned about, you know, how to teach children hmm. tolerance. And, um, you know, the best example I see, they, they learn from, from their, their homes. Yeah. It starts from the home and uh, they have to be taught from the very young age you know, um, when when the children they are, you know, they 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 are possessive mm. of their toys. They are possessive of their you know their things, and and you tell them that yes, you have to share. You know that that's where the teaching starts, mm. and then you have to tolerate others. If the friend has come, you know, of course, uh, is interfering with his normal routine or whatever. 
is doing uh, one has to be you know uh, the the parents have to be uh, you know act as teachers to teach mm. them the tolerance as well as um, the teachers uh, who are in, you know in in the early stages of their lives yeah. and the children um, they they are very uh, very keen observers so they would see what is happening exactly. around them yes. and they would learn from there and uh, they because they obviously they they try to imitate you so whatever they see they would they are they're going to to follow that yeah Rian Seller, who is the co-founder of the Learn to Think Foundation, which also organizes the United Nations International Day for Tolerance um, in primary schools, he said that learning about tolerance might sound like a wishy-washy idea, mm. but far from being a passive acceptance of things we don't like, it's a powerful tool not only to achieve peace in our playgrounds, but also to hone young minds in critical thinking logic and communication skills. Hmm. So how can we do this as parents, carers, or teachers? So Rian says that we, we can do that by encouraging them with well-placed questions such as, why do you think that happens? So it's, it's, it's a way you approach, the, the way you think about it. Uh, when, when you uh, sort of raise the questions in your mind, so you teach children that they should ask themselves why do you think that happens why do you think uh, what what is what do you think means by that and what do you think they would say about it mm. so this will mean that they will develop more critical thinking skills so they they would not uh, rapidly respond without thinking they will hold back think about it and uh, particularly if they think uh, in a way that if i was in that place yeah. How would I feel? Exactly. How would I like to be treated? How would I like to be, uh, you know, accepted in, in this uh, society or in this uh, meeting or in, you know, in this place particularly? So on the topic of teaching children patience, His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, who was the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, hmm. may Allah bless his soul, <coughs> he says patience also requires that Patience also requires that when they are asked something, they should not immediately open their mouth mm. in response. Instead, they should think for a while before um, before replying. If these manners and morals are taught in childhood, they become part and parcel of nature. Otherwise, even the most learned person sometimes remains devoid of these ordinary good manners in spite of his great knowledge. Um, so you see, many many times you you, you see people that um, they are not even patient to listen to the other. Hmm. Somebody is speaking; they would interfere right in the middle, uh, and they want to express their opinion over the uh, over the over there. Yeah. And and that's of course it is a it is a bad manners. That's one thing, but it's also that it creates uh, it, it it tells that they have not been trained properly. Hmm. Had they been trained, they would have learned how to tolerate and to, to be able to listen to others and then speak at the appropriate time when it is, uh, it is uh, for them. So exactly. the, these are the very basic skills uh, which, which need to be taught to the children to be tolerant towards others. And it has to start for, as, a, as a child. It has to start from a young age. Otherwise, you know, they, they, these habits, they become... Um, strong and it's very difficult to, to, to get rid of, to those, get rid of uh, later on. Exactly. And you know, talking about 
reforming reforming the children, reforming the youth as well. His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, who is the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah be pleased with him. He said that nations cannot be reformed without the reformation of the youth. So this also, you know, highlights how important it is for the moral training of uh, of the youngsters, of the of the adolescents, of the children, as they are the future generation as well. And as you mentioned that. If they have these things built in within them, if it's built in in their sort of uh, if in, in the in their psyche, in the way that they are, in their character, then their moral development will be in this way as well. See, but if, if they if don't we, have it, then it will grow. Dif- it will be difficult for them. We we have the, of course the best example in the in the in the life of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hmm. If we look at the society or the culture in in Medina. Hmm. Um, we see that the the uh, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had taught so much tolerance hmm. to the Muslims, to his companions, and and as this is this was one of the reasons that why those people who were very strongly against Islam, the hmm. teachings of Islam, hmm. ultimately they accepted Islam because. They were living in that society. They were observing them. Mm. They were. Uh, they saw their behavior, their treatment. How how would they behave? Mm-hmm. And they would. Uh, um, and I've got so many so many different examples. And I will just quote that. You know, when um, there there was a, a, a well in in Medina, mm. and the owner of its owner was a Jew, and who he was earning a lot of profit out of that because he would charge very highly for mm. for the for the water. Mm. And water is essential, is a basic need, and um, so people in the area they were obviously were, were in difficulty. So they went to the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and he 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 just uh, said that uh, uh, would there be a person who would who would buy this well so that it it becomes easy for people. Mm. So it was Hazrat Usman, um, the third caliph, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, mm. uh, great man. He he. He bought that, uh, and and it's an interesting thing that he, the the Jew was not ready to to sell it, mm. and uh, so he said that okay, what what we can do is that I I can buy you half share of the well, mm. so one day you can sell and you get the profit, and the other day I will sell the water and I will get the profit. Mm. Okay, so what he did was uh, he agreed to that. He said, "Oh, okay, I'm I'll still be earning uh, my profit." Yeah. So he sold half of it, fifty percent. Yeah. So, so what <laughs> Hazrat Usman yeah. did was that on one day he made it free made for, it everyone. Free for everyone. <laughs> so people started getting them uh, the water on, on the, the on, on that, that day, day, on that day, and the next day nobody came. So ultimately <laughs> he, he said, uh, "He said, okay, do you want to buy the rest half of it?" <laughs> so so he he got all the well and he he mm. uh, you know gave it gave it to to others so when people saw that behavior that rather than you know it because he gave it free to the jews as well mm-hmm. he did not restrict it He's to just not, to yeah. just to the muslims exactly. so 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 we see so many different examples of tolerance and one example i will quote of the of the founder of the Ahmadiyya muslim community mm-hmm. you know he said uh, somebody has narrated that you know there was a person who used to abuse him he would stand outside his home and mm-hmm. abuse the whole night and in the morning what he would do is he, he would ask the, the the servant go and give him give him some food because he must be tired by now <laughs> <laughs> so these, these examples are, are very much practical as well they're not just yeah, stories yeah, or tales as well very, very practical uh, examples that we can all 
follow uh, as well. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that you should show courtesy and be cordial with each other so that nobody should consider himself superior to another nor do any harm. That's our show for uh, for this uh, this part of the show. Join us after the break where we will move on to our next topic which is about Lajna Imaila. Joining us after the news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on The Voice of Islam Radio. Uh, on this part of the show, we are going to be moving on to our next topic and one of the most, which is about one of the most misunderstood, uh, misunderstood areas in Islam. Is about the is is about the topic of women. Now there are different misconceptions, you know, about about the role of women and their rights, their status in Islam as well. There's, you know, the, a lot of people who don't know anything about Islam. They they claim that they know a lot and they claim that they know the teaching and they say this, they say that, and then this is how differences um, become more widespread as well. Miscommunication, misinformation is actually a spread as well. And this misinformation then actually leads to intolerance, something that we were speaking about in the first part of the show. And then differences become so rampant and they become so widespread that it, it, it turns into it turns into hatred as well. Um, so this is why it's important for us to actually talk about those things, and remove those misconceptions as well. And, uh, you know, sometimes when, when we talk about these misconceptions, there are questions which are which are generally you know generated in the mind as well. If you want to ask any any questions to us, the number to call in as always is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight as well. Let's get our first guest who is on the line with us, Iftikhar Iftikharun Nisa Yusuf, uh, who's in a regional president of uh, in the Midlands. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon. Now, w- what is the main objectives of uh, the Lajna Imaila, the Women's Auxiliary Organization of the Ahmadi Muslim Community? And what ways are the Ahmadi women implementing those uh, those different objectives and those aims as well? Right. Okay. Um, to start off, I would say that uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Association, or Lajna Imaila, uh, it was established in 1922 by Hazrat Nizab Bashir Mahmoud Ahmed, uh, Khalifat al Masih II, may Allah be pleased with him, and that was in Kadian, India. And uh, it was the first auxiliary organization uh, within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community that hmm. was formed. Uh, uh, that was to give women a degree of independence and a voice in the uh, administrative affairs of the community. And Hazrat Muslim, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, he wanted Ahmadi Muslim women to realize that uh, that they were tasked beyond their daily chores and he wanted to utilize their full potential as that of men in the propagation of Islam. Hmm. And for this, uh, Hazrat Muslim, uh, 
gave Lashrai Maila 11 objectives to work with, and I will share some of those objectives and the main method behind those objectives with your listeners. Um, the general theme of those um, objectives was to educate Muslim, uh, Amini Muslim women and then to reinforce the necessity of living their lives according to the Islamic teachings. Uh, and that was uh, for their effort to enhance their moral and spiritual standards as well. And then to prepare them to serve their fellow beings with love and care and to treat Islam in the best possible manner. Uh, and one more objective was to encourage them to instruct, guide, and train their children in the precepts and practices of Islam. And also to uh, promote in Amadi women such a spirit of sacrifice as to keep them ever ready for offering their lives, properties, and their children in the cause of Islam and for the preservation of the Ahmadiyya Khilafah as well. And most importantly, uh, to, uh, for them to do all this by praying to Allah and by seeking His help in all matters. And mm -hmm. here I must add that um, it's worth remembering that the backdrop of this setting is India, and the year is 1922, when mostly women had no voice, no say, and they were expected to keep quiet. So at that time, a community leader and the spiritual head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community of the time was giving this charter to women and telling them that apart from their own spiritual, intellectual, and moral uplift, the future progress of the Jamaat is also greatly dependent upon the role played by our women. So this is empowerment. And this is equality. So when we uh, look at these objectives, the common thread that links them together is the word Islam. It's about working together towards understanding Islam, practicing Islam, teaching Islam, and preaching Islam. And the responsibility was being put on women's shoulder to fulfill these objectives. So this was the vision of Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih II, and that was 100 years ago. And alhamdulillah, uh, today we are seeing a much stronger and more independent Lajdai Maila working together around the globe for the, uh, for the propagation of Islam. Uh, and with the second part of your question, uh, with regards to how Ahmadi women are implementing these objectives, uh, I will say that uh, being a faith group or faith community, all our work stems from spiritual education and training. And we have a very robust system of planning, delivering, and implementing these objectives, uh, starting from uh, national level to regional level and then at local level. Uh, we have 18 different departments within our organization, and each department has its own syllabus uh, that gives members more detailed work plans. Uh, based around legend objectives. And further implementation then takes place through our regular weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly events. And they are all planned and marked in our yearly calendar, which I must say is always very, very busy. And it was only last week that our National Southern Legend of UK had organized our yearly refresher course to discuss, share, and plan new initiatives for the next legend year. 
Uh, we also have Talim and Tibet programs as well as Quran classes. And the main objective or the aim behind that is to enhance religious knowledge and spiritual training of mothers and their children. Then we have um, outreach programs where we organize peace conferences, interfaith seminars, question and answer sessions. And these are regularly attended by parliamentarians, mayors, teachers, faith and civic leaders, as well as representatives from various charities and faith communities. And again, these are held at national, regional and local level uh, to promote a deeper understanding of Islam and uh, obviously of other faiths and uh, an effort to remove any misconceptions about Islam as well. And then on top of that, we also have social welfare activities where Lejna or members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community uh, hold fundraising events to donate money to charities and projects. And uh, they can be local, regional, national, or um, sometimes even uh, abroad. And they also donate food and gift hampers to women's shelter and homeless centers. They feed the homeless donate food items and funds to their local food banks and other charities. And then uh, there is another department that is industry and handicraft department that helps members learn new skills, especially in serving an art and craft so that they can use these skills to earn a living if needed. And then um, health and fitness department provides members with uh, useful information about hygiene, healthcare and first aid. And this department also promotes participation of members in various games and sports as well as exercise programs. And now, uh, with the grace of Allah for the past few years, uh, we are organizing a successful hiking trips as well as uh, international volleyball tournaments. So these are just a few of the activities that our members of Lajnai Maila organize and take part in to fulfill um, uh, those objectives, which are part of the constitution of Lajdai Maila, mm. and of course, uh, so there's so many, there's so many things that we can, you know, actually uh, touch upon and go through as well. But obviously, there's uh, there's so many things which are happening. As it will be difficult to actually, you know, talk about each and every one as well. And you just mentioned that this is just some of the things which are, you know, which they, which they which they are actually doing as well. Um, I want to ask you about uh, about the about the actual flag. Of the Lajnai Maila, so they have their own flag, and the flag has many powerful symbols on it as well, which, which we're told that which are all spiritual in nature, and the 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 center stage located to female icons as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, about the about the flag of Lajnai Maila, please? Yes. Uh, well, having your own uh, Lajna flag means so much to each and every member of Lajna Maila. And as I mentioned earlier, that all our objectives and activities, they stem from the core teachings of uh, Islamic faith. And the symbols on our Lajna flag are no exception. Um, the crescent on the flag, uh, that is a sign of a new era in the spiritual darkness of modern age. And the stars, six corners, uh, they denote, uh, denote the six articles of faith, and that is belief in oneness of God, his angels, his books, his prophets, the day of judgment, and uh, the divine decree. And then there is a minaret, and that minaret represents the fulfilled prophecy about the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. And the sun rising from the west, that denotes the success of Islam and Ahmadiyyat in the Western world. And this is also a prophecy of the Holy Prophet, uh, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And then there is the oasis that represents uh, motherhood. And uh, the most important uh, 
part, I would say, is the three date uh, trees. And those date trees represent three very special women. And those are Hazrat Hajra, Hazrat Maryam, and Hazrat Amna, may Allah be pleased with them all. Uh, they gave birth in the desert to Prophet Ishmael, Prophet Jesus, uh, peace be upon them both, and the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him as well. So this is a brief explanation of uh, those symbols which are uh, on our Lachna flag. Thank you for, uh, for for telling us about that as well. Um, the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Association, they have their first centenary, as you, you, you mentioned before as well, <laughs> which is happening which is happening this year to mark, you know, of course, the, the centenary. Now, there are different ways in which different um, different countries and different women auxiliary organizations, different countries are celebrating that one as well. The UK is, uh, you know, the women in the UK, they also have their own projects as well. Can you share with the audience, the listeners, what some of those projects are and specifically why they were actually chosen? Uh, yes, Alhamdulillah, Lajna Maila Worldwide is celebrating their centenary this year, and uh, that is to show gratitude to Allah for all his blessings throughout these 100 years. Uh, in chapter 14, verse 6 of the Holy Quran, it says, And remember also the time when your Lord declared, If you are grateful, I will surely bestow more favors on you. And then uh, in the ninth condition of bath, we also pledge to serve mankind for the sake of Allah only. So in keeping with these teachings, uh, Lachna has chosen four centenary projects here in the UK. And the first one is to build our maternity hospital in Sierra Leone to provide a high quality healthcare. As you know that uh, Sierra Leone has one of the highest rates of maternal mortality in the world, uh, where uh, for every 100,000 live births, 1,360 mothers, they lose their lives uh, due to some kind of complications during or after childbirth uh, because of the limited healthcare facilities um, in that country. And inshallah, we are hoping to complete this project within our centenary year. And with the grace of Allah, uh, it will be equipped with high-class equipment and resources uh, that are needed for the job. And our national center, uh, Dr. Faria Khan Saiba, is leading this project with great zeal and passion. As being a doctor herself, uh, this project is uh, also very close to her heart. And that again, it was only last week that she shared some of the progress with us. And um, we are very much looking forward to the completion of this project and the high-class healthcare uh, this will provide to uh, local population in Sierra Leone. So that is our first project. Mm. And then the second centenary project is um, for the environment. And um, that is to plant 100,000 trees here in the UK. Uh, because planting tree is given um, a special significance in Islam and is considered as an unending charity. Uh, there's also a saying of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Uh, and I quote, whoever plants a tree and looks after it until it matures and bears fruit is rewarded, unquote. So based on these noble teachings, showing our commitment to uh, healthy environment, our target was set to plant uh, 100,000 trees across the country. And Alhamdulillah, so far we have planted about um, uh, about 55,000 trees nationwide. And here in the Midlands, uh, we have planted nearly half of it. And I must add that uh, all this is achieved purely with Allah's grace and with the praise of our beloved Hazur. 
And if I can also take this opportunity uh, to say a big thank you to all our members who were involved in this task. And uh, they all traveled a long way away to various locations in all kinds of British wintry weather, and they took pride in working towards completing this centenary project. Uh, so may Allah bless all their efforts. And these are um, the two uh, centenary um, projects. And uh, then when Hazur Anwar were asked how to commemorate this joyous occasion of Lejna centenary, uh, Hazur said, and I quote, that uh, the most important way to honor and mark 100 years of Lejna Maila is to ascertain the true standards of faith of your members, unquote. So based on this, another centenary uh, project was, uh, I mean, we set up a reading challenge. And that was to encourage Lajina uh, Maila uh, to read all the books of the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mizra Ghulam Ahmed, in order to enhance their knowledge and understanding of Islam through his writings as well as to recognize the true status and the truth about the promised Messiah Islam's claim as well. And one more um, uh, project is uh, a Quran quest in which uh, members are encouraged to read the commentary of the Holy Quran in order to develop a deeper understanding of Islamic teachings. Uh, so these are few of our century targets for Lajna Maila UK uh, to show our gratitude to Allah for all his blessings. Well, there's you know a number of different things uh, to keep you guys uh, busy as well. I was going to ask you about the the tree planting as well, but uh, thank you for clarifying and telling us more about that as well. Um, you, you've been serving as the regional president in in the Midlands of the auxiliary organisation, the women's auxiliary organisation, for for over twenty years now, which is you know a lot you know a lot a lot of uh, a large part, uh, part of your life which is sacrificed for the Jamaat, for the community. What do you think that you've sort of gained from that uh, as well and, you know, share your experiences and sort of uh, inspire the uh, the next generation as well? First of all, if I can just uh, share a little um, um, couplet from the poem written by Hazrat uh, Khalifa Al-Masih II and that is uh, in Urdu, but I will translate that into English as well. And that is, Khidmate din ko ek fazle ilahi jano, uske badle mein kabhi talabe in aamna ho. And the meaning is, perceive the opportunity to serve faith as a blessing from the Almighty Allah, and never intend to receive anything in return for this opportunity. So, the need to earn a living to feed the body has always been there, but only few things, uh, they nourish your soul. And serving the Jamaat is definitely uh, one of them. I've seen my own parents serving the community for most part of their life, and then seeing their happiness and joy when uh, their children started serving the Jamaat. So when you truly believe in the truth of the promised Messiah, and you develop that strong bond with Khilafat, then your desire and your motivation to serve Jamaat is entirely driven by that love. And I feel so humbled that I have the blessed opportunity to serve Lajna Imaila for nearly 50 years in different capacities and as a regional president for the Midlands for 22 years. And it was only last weekend that uh, we had a meeting with Father Lajna Imaila UK uh, where she shared her feelings of happiness and joy and said that uh, serving Lajna Imaila UK is such a privilege for her. So these are our role models full of love and compassion, uh, who take pride in serving their community. 
So working with them inspires you to do more. And as I said, I have the privilege of working uh, as a regional president for 22 years, and I also have the privilege of working under five different national southern of Lechdam Island, UK. And each and every one of them came with their own style of working had a, and had own set of skills. But one thing uh, that was common in them all was their trust in Allah uh, and their obedience to Khilafat and nizam e So, So their dedication to serve the community by keeping the legend of pledge at the forefront of their thoughts and leading by example, all this gives you immense pride, confidence, and the will to carry on serving. And during this uh, extremely rewarding journey, you learn so much. Uh, you make lifelong friends, you share their happiness and sorrow, you learn so much from people around you, you develop so many of your own skills. And I personally feel that you put in so little, but you walk away with so much more. So therefore, I feel so honored and so humbled that I had the opportunity to serve Lashdai Maila and my most loving Midland region who gave me so much love and respect. And it was such a joy uh, to be part of many of our local centenary celebrations. Uh, my heart is filled with gratitude to Allah for all the opportunities to serve Lashdai Maila and for covering all my shortcomings on the way as well. And I really hope and pray that, uh, that we enter into the new century of Lashdai Maila uh, with a great sense of pride, uh, togetherness, and humility to carry on serving our sisters and fellow human beings in accordance with the Islamic teachings of love for all, hatred for none. Very, very well uh, put there as well. And uh, thank you for uh, for all of that and your expertise as well. May Allah the Almighty bless you and your efforts as well. Just very quickly before I want, uh, you know, before uh, we let you go as well, Coming back to when we were talking about planting trees as well, did did the auxiliary organisation receive any any sort of special recognition? Oh yes, we missed on that bit actually. Um, uh, when uh, we were planting uh, these trees, and obviously we took part in uh, a lot of different uh, places and different types of trees and different places, and we planted some trees um, at tiny forest, and then we were also uh, part of the Queen's uh, green canopy as well. So uh, when we first started this project, obviously we had no idea where to start and who to contact. But if that wasn't enough, our National Southern Legend UK, Dr. Faria Khan Saiba, turned this into a little uh, uh, competitive centenary project for us all as well. So the pressure was on. Uh, but alhamdulillah, uh, such is the spirit and the nature of Legendary Maila that even though it was a competition, uh, many regional southerners were sharing the details of any tree planting locations they will find with each other. And uh, so the Sabah had to remind them they, that they do know that this is a competition. Uh, but it was such an amazing experience uh, that something uh, which most of us have never done and had no knowledge of, within a couple of months, purely with the last place, we became experts on uh, uh, tree planting. And um, during this uh, extremely rewarding journey of tree planting, we also had the opportunity to plant tree for Queen's Green Canopy as part of Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee. And I'm sure uh, some of your listeners must have seen or heard about uh, Thomas Hatherwick's Tree of Trees sculpture outside Buckingham Palace containing 350 trees. 
uh, a commitment was given that those trees and pots would be donated to deserving organizations and individuals across the country. And Alhamdulillah, our community in the Midlands was nominated too. And not only that we received two of these very special trees, uh, one was oak tree and the other one was white beam. And that was in recognition of our work in tree planting and nature conservation. We also had the opportunity to welcome Lord Lieutenant Mr. John Crabtree uh, on his wish to be part of our special tree planting session. And that was done at Darul Barkat Mosque, Birmingham. And I'm extremely grateful to our National Southern Legend UK for her kind assistance and her help and support with regards to this event, uh, where we had another opportunity to talk about Islam and Ahmadiyyat and history of Lashna and Mala and its objectives uh, with Lord Lieutenant. So that was another uh, very special, uh, you can say, gift or appreciation we received uh, from Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Thank you. Thank you for that as well. A very honourable um, you know, gift to actually get from, the, from Her Majesty the Queen uh, as well. Thank you so much for joining us on our show today and uh, sharing your expertise once again. Jazakumullah. Uh, Assalamu alaikum Peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. So that was a very uh, nice uh, discussion or, or talk from uh, Iftikhar Nisa Yusuf, who's a regional president uh, of the auxiliary organizations in, uh, in, in Midlands. And uh, thank you so much to her. Let's listen to some comments of uh, some friends of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Association uh, as well. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Ritu Sharma and I am a Women Empowerment Ambassador. I am an entrepreneur and also I am a founder and CEO for a women's organization called Kushilia UK, which is West Midlands based. I have been coming uh, to Ahmadiyya Women's events for a very long time now. I have been to interfaith events, I have been to other congregations and gatherings that Women's uh, Wing has been running and I am totally impressed by the type of work they do and the atmosphere that they have uh, at these events. I feel very comfortable and very warmly welcomed and accepted um, when I am at those events um, just as a human being, just as a part of uh, the wider community and I think the work that's been done nationally and internationally by the Ahmadiyya Women's Wing is commendable. Thank you so much. Hi, my name is Marlene. I'm a lawyer and teacher. I very much enjoy going to the Lajna Imala events. I, I very much like m meeting people um, from all sorts of cultural backgrounds and religious backgrounds. And I think this organisation goes a long way towards this. Thank you. My name is Balbia Seema and I'm the Chief WhatsApp Community Engagement Ambassador, as well as the Secretary of Hindu Forum Warsaw. It's been and continues to be super exciting serving selflessly in the community with the Ahmadi women. For them, no service is too big or too small. For caring for the environment uh, by litter picking to planting thousands of trees, saplings and bulbs, distributing food wherever necessary, as well as supporting schools absolutely inspirational 
This group of ladies take every opportunity that comes along their way as a blessing. They are incredibly amazing ladies, such that their actions speak. They serve with modesty, full of love, compassion and humility. I am deeply humbled and honoured to be serving selflessly alongside with the Ahmadi women. Thank you, ladies. Well done. I'm Lieutenant Commander Suzanne Lynch, and I lead the Royal Navy's attract team that operates over the central area of the United Kingdom. I was delighted to be in Birmingham in July to celebrate the centenary of the Ahmadiyan Women's Auxiliary Organisation. It was good to be with friends and mark this special and historic event which celebrates 100 years of female empowerment. And I am honoured to be recording this message. It is important to say that in 1922, when the Women's Auxiliary Organisation of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community were formed, women in the United Kingdom were campaigning for equal rights and votes for women. And in 1928, the suffragettes had won the rights for women over 21 to vote in the United Kingdom. Since my appointment over five years ago, I've had the privilege to attend national events within the Ahmadiyya community and more importantly, have worked with the local community in Birmingham and Wolverhampton to deliver veterans tea parties and International Women's Day events. What I have seen within the community is the deep regard, respect and trust the members of the male community show their female counterparts. This has been evident in all my work with the community, but I would like to cite some examples. At the Jalsa Salanas I've had the privilege to attend, on entering the female area, care of His Holiness was passed to an all-female team who were trusted to protect, guard and serve him, and their duties were performed to the highest of standards, illustrating the trust His Holiness had in their abilities and professionalism. Also, during the Jalsa Salana, His Holiness took much time to present educational certificates to young women to celebrate their academic achievements, highlighting the importance that the community place on educating women, and through education, women are empowered. I am so privileged to have friends within the Amadine community, and thank you for allowing me to be part of your centenary celebrations, which celebrates 100 years of female empowerment. And I look forward to working with the community and developing many projects, especially across the central regions of Birmingham and Wolverhampton. Many congratulations on your centenary. There's uh, there's another very uh, very short uh, audio clip about uh, about Ahmadi women about talking about Lajna Imala, what it means to them. Let's listen to that one as well, and then we will uh, move swiftly on to our, our next guests. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. The Blessed Auxiliary Organization Lajna Imala is a major part of my life, engaging me in increasingly productive and useful activities. It also inspires me to work together with other members of our Jamaat to spread the true message of Islam Ahmadiyya to the world which rapidly charges towards its own destruction. All this has made me feel incredibly privileged to be a part of this blessed auxiliary organization. <laughs> 
At my young age, I've had the honour and pleasure of serving the Jamaat at local level and at Jalsa. Due to the connection and vast opportunities like Jalsa Slana, Ishtama and other social events, it tremendously helped me with my social skills, giving me confidence and management skills which I have been able to replicate in my university life. For me, Lajnai Maila means sisterhood and fabric of friendship that does not get damaged by the constant turbulences and phases of life. I feel privileged to be part of Lajnai Maila as it gives me a true sense of belonging. The first thing that shouts out is female empowerment, learning and teaching collaboratively, enhancing each other's knowledge to achieve the most nearness to Allah spiritually. A platform where all ladies of all backgrounds, cultures unite together in sisterhood and become a family. A place of trust, love and respect between women of all ages, from teenagers to elders, inspiring to become a better version of themselves, to define the true literal meaning of being servants of Allah, the Almighty. Now, in the beginning of the show, we were talking about how there are different misconceptions about uh, you know, about women uh, in Islam generally as well, talking about different things such as statuses and why there's uh, segregation and all of these different things as well. Um, in regards to this, let's speak to let's speak to our next guest, who is on the line with us, Dr. Bushra Anas, who's the president of uh, the Women's Auxiliary Organization of Burton upon Trent. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Welcome to the show. Wa alaikum assalam. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, now, every so often, the hijab, uh, the Islamic veil, is unfortunately seen as a symbol of oppression. As a Muslim woman, how do you respond to these sort of uh, allegations? Jazakallah. Uh, hijab is an expression of one's faith and a part of their identity rather than being a sign of oppression. The headscarf and Muslim women's attire have been brought up in discussions of women's rights as a result of the activism of the feminist movement and the perception of the hijab as a symbol of oppression and opposition to one's liberation. However, in Islam, wearing hijab is a symbol of promoting self-love in women as it liberates women from the pressures to live up to immodest, unrealistic beauty standards created by the world to objectify them and instead inspires them to believe that the true beauty lies in the knowledge and intellect. If you look at the history, it will be found that veiling of women is not something that Islam has invented. Ancient Assyrian and Persian societies both considered the veil a practice symbolizing purity, particularly to the upper class. Judeo-Christian tradition also practiced this noble tradition far before the advent of Islam. Uh, the New Testament also states that modesty and reverence demanded a woman observe the veil. Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, and model female for all time, is always depicted with a head covering. It is because of her pious nature that the Holy Quran has mentioned her as a model for all women and an example of the beauty and practicality of the observance of faith. Also these days, 
You'll often hear it in the society that Muslim women are forced to wear headscarves by their husbands or by their fathers. We have recently seen some of the brutality that governments in Muslim countries have inflicted on Muslim women, and in particular, uh, young uh, Muslim females who choose not to cover their heads leading non-Muslims to believe that this injustice is a result of women's submission to a man. However, the veil does not at all signify a woman's submission to man, but rather her pure devotion to her relationship with God. By wearing the veil, a woman freely complies with God's commandments and Islamic beliefs, which grant women full status and privileges. Islam also offers a great security to, the women, to women in the form of hijab. Women are comparatively more susceptible to exploitation and abuse. Islam instructs women to take matters in their own hands by covering themselves, so building a physical barrier against such harm. Therefore, veil is not intended, veil is not intended to uh, set women apart from males. Rather, it frees women and gives them the opportunity to succeed in all spheres. Jazakallah. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that eloquent, uh, eloquent answer. Um, talking about, talking about uh, you just discussed this uh, as well, but uh, if you can just elaborate a little bit on that as well, that talking about empowerment, and this is a very strong sort of uh, sort of word what does emp- empowerment mean or h- how would you define empowerment and how does the Ahmadiyya Muslim women's auxiliary organization specifically in particular how does that empower women as well thank you uh, definition of women's empowerment can vary but some examples include uh, recognizing a woman's perspective making an effort to find them and elevating women's status through education awareness literacy and training uh, islam is a religion that affirms equality of men and women in spiritual matters as well as in fundamental rights the ahmadiyya muslim community is the only Islamic sect that has shown the world that Muslim women can be organized and achieve greatness. Lashna Imaillah or the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Association is a robust, distinguished, exemplary organization working to reject the stereotype that women are just fit for natural roles and achieve equality by rejecting the public and private sphere distinctions. Indeed, His Holiness, Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, the Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community stated to the German press in 2019, I quoted God, my philosophy is that if women work outside the shade of men, they flourish, unquote. Today, our organization is the source of inspiration for many, an organization that is run by women for women. We not only empower our own women, but also empower those women who come into contact with us. We play an equal role alongside men within the administration and event management of the community. We are quite experienced in organizing huge events like our annual peace symposium, interfaith dialogues, sporting events, and our annual national gathering. The calendar year is full with events 
making sure we adhere to the constitution and the initial vision of its founder. Uh, the organization functions at local, regional, and national levels as an independent body of governance under the guidance of the CALIS. Our work requires management of 13 different departments all year round, thus giving every Lajna a sense of fulfillment and purpose. Such environments for women are truly a manifestation of a religion which not only declares women liberated, but also gives them the tools to be educated, skilled, and ultimately empowered. Jazakallah. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, once again as well. Um, Lajnai Maila is, uh, of course, celebrating its first centenary this year as well. And it, there's also these different things which the auxiliary organization is actually doing. Um, and one of those things is is tree planting, and we spoke to we spoke to um, Iftikhar and Sai Yusuf Saiba before as well, who was a regional president in the Midlands, and uh, how she told us uh, told us about how the Queen gave them a tree, uh, a token as well, a gift as well. Um, now that was you know very you know you know very congratulations to the women's auxiliary auxiliary organisation as well for that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to get your sort of response on this as well, that how was the response of the organizations that you worked with? How did they respond? So, as you mentioned that uh, Lajna members have been tree planting across the UK, I'd like to first give a brief introduction to what uh, is being done by my Lajna members from the Burton Jamaat. So, to celebrate the centennial uh, anniversary in uh, 2022, Lajna has decided to amplify the core teachings of Islam safeguarding one's natural environment. Uh, I would like to quote uh, one of these. Uh, The Holy Prophet, uh, peace be upon him, once said, the world is sweet and green, and verily Allah has appointed you as a representative and trustee over it. Unquote. So for the propagation of the true message of Islam, Lajna UK has pledged to plant 100,000 trees across the whole of uh, the UK. Lajna Burton already has begun the process of afforestation successfully by planting trees and tree seedlings at different areas in the Midland region. Um, the councils and the organizations uh, were very happy with us breaking the stereotypes they often see in the media outlets. Uh, they not only uh, interviewed us, but even published a press release regarding this, which shows how delighted were they to work with us. So as a Muslim woman, I feel it is very important to take part in such activities which promote welfare of our environment and benefit mankind in turn. His Holiness, the fifth caliph and current worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Mirza Masrur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, stated in an address at the annual gathering of uh, uh, Lajna UK that we must, I quote his words, strive to be a good citizen and to achieve this, you must utilize your capabilities, faculties, and skills for the benefit of others and play your role in building a better and more harmonious society. So yes, integration and contribution to the society is essential by keeping our religion slash identity differences aside. 
the whole purpose of these activities is to conserve the environment and benefit humankind as a whole by enabling communities and individuals to thrive in an environment that appreciates diversity and mutual respect. Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, for telling us uh, about that and different uh, you know different things uh, which the auxiliary organization the women's auxiliary organization actually does as well thank you so much for joining us on our show today and uh, uh, telling us about this so that was uh, that was dr bushra anas who is the president uh, of the women's auxiliary organization uh, on, in Burton upon Trent. Let's uh, move to our next guest who's on the line with us. Anika Siddiqui is associate practitioner who graduated last year in biomedical sciences and is an active member of the Lajnai Maila from a very, very young age as well. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, the topic that we're talking about uh, in this part of the show uh, today is about Lajna Imayla, the servants of uh, of Allah. Now, when a Muslim woman says that she is a servant of Allah, what does that actually mean? So, broadly speaking, service of Allah comes under two categories, worshipping and showing gratitude to Allah and looking after and fulfilling the rights of others. Now, in my opinion, I think that service of Allah is the same thing as serving mankind and taking care of all the creations of Allah. This could be by lending a helping hand to our neighbors, showing support to our friends and relatives, looking after our parents and grandparents in their old age, even looking after animals and treating them well would be an act of service as they're all Allah's creation. And finally, recently I got involved in tree planting alongside other Lajna members and this for me was also a way of serving Allah because I'm helping protect this beautiful planet that Allah has gifted us. Wonderful, wonderful. Now women uh, have always been a part of the public debate for, for various reasons. And during the past few decades, there, there's been a um, growing public debate in Western societies, especially about the integration and emancipation of, 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 of Muslim women. Now, as a, as a Muslim woman who who wears the hijab in, in a Western society, have you ever faced any negativity? So I started wearing the hijab at the age of 13, and I have never faced any negativity regarding my hijab. In fact, I would say that my experience has been very positive. People have always been very respectful, and wearing a hijab has created an understanding for them that uh, that modesty is very important to me and that I have certain boundaries that I observe. I mean, people have asked me questions, um, but there's never been any insensitive remarks or anything to hurt my feelings. Recently, actually, I had this incident at work where I uh, fainted, and this was a few months ago, and the way the situation was handled was handled very sensitively. You know, they were very understanding and respectful and just Seeing that I wear a hijab and that I'm a Muslim, that had a first, uh, that had a female first aider handle the situation, and because of the heat, it was suggested I take my scarf off to cool down. And you know, they uh, decided not to do that in the corridor and moved me to you know a room which they blocked access to everybody else before they took my scarf off. They even called in to the lab, saying asking people not to come in, and um, you know, they said that if anybody 
needs to come in because they need to collect their stuff. They can contact the female staff that will do it for them. But, you know, especially for men, they block that room off. And I also know of friends that have worked in very small towns and people in her workplace have always respected that she wore her hijab and there was never any awkwardness mm. within the team. So mm. my experience on the whole has been very positive and very respectful. Well, that, that's good and very promising to, to hear that as well. Hopefully it's the same case uh, in other places also. Now, if there's a very, uh, yeah, at, the, at the end, of our, we're coming towards the end of our show today as well. Now, if there is one message that you could give to all those who have sort of, you know, preconceived notions about Muslim women, what what would it be? What would you like to leave with our listeners today? I would say Islam really emancipates women. And if you really look into the religion, if you really understand Islam, you will not have these notions about it. Anybody that has such preconceived notions should first and foremost do research into what Islamic literature says about the rights of women in Islam or just, you know, women in general and maybe not focus so much on the portrayal and content put out by media, because that's not what true Islam is, especially on the international stage where you have so much misrepresentation of Islam by people that don't really understand the religion. You know, an example of that would be that media has turned the idea of covering up for modesty a a matter of, of oppression. And if anybody actually looks into what Islam says about modesty and covering up and and um, observing further, they will realize it's not about oppression or suppressing women. It's it's about um, pr- protecting and you know making a woman comfortable actually. And even if you come across somebody who uh, who wears a hijab and observes further, and you just talk to them and you know ask questions about their hijab, they will be very happy to talk to you and they will tell you that it is it provides them comfort actually, makes them very comfortable. Uh, to be out and about wearing a hijab and it's not about oppression at all and you do not feel suppressed at all. So, yeah, uh, I would say do some research and, you know, talk to people, ask questions, but those preconceived notions aren't really accurate. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you uh, for that and very eloquently um, uh, talking to us and telling, uh, answering all of our questions. Thank you so much once again. And uh, thank you for joining us on our show this afternoon. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now, the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he has said that a person who is blessed with a daughter or daughters and and makes no discrimination between them and his sons and brings, brings them up with kindness and affection will be as close to me in paradise as my forefinger and middle finger are each uh, to each other. Now, also the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah be his helper, he, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he once said, talking about uh, Ahmadi uh, women, do not think that your only task is to cook, housework, or, uh, you know, talking to your talking to your spouse. Rather, go out yourselves and tell your husbands that you also have the responsibility to go out to convey the message of Islam. Tell them that you must do the same work as men do. As Muslim women, you have great tasks and objectives that lie in front of you for you to accomplish. And this was in a meeting with uh, with members of the Women Auxiliary Organization in Italy 
on the on the 9th of September this uh, this year as well 2022. Now hopefully um hopefully today's show helped to rectify the wrong notion that muslim women are you know sort of uh, you know that they are oppressed or different things like that but it is quite the contrary uh, to that one as well um then that's uh, that's our show for uh, for today thank you so much for joining us and listening uh, to us as well of course it, uh, you know it's a uh, it's always a pleasure to to present with uh, you, uh, Dr. Bajasab as well, and of course today's show was uh, produced uh, and researched by uh, uh, Hadayatul Hasib and also Khansa Razak as well, and of course our technician in the in the in the in the studio. Thank you so much, Habib, for for being there as well. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Here's the news.